he ends up like convincing some people to fund another expedition to find the source of the Nile. That became like his mission after that. The and source of the Nile. Yeah, it was like where it starts, where the river. No, flows I, I out get of the that. Ground. It just feels insane to to become obsessed with that. It's like he ran out of ideas. I think it was like a just millennia's old mystery. Yeah, it still is. I believe, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah, it's like looking for the Mothman. You know, you find droppings, you find uh, tree scrapings, but I mean, no Mothman. I guess I, I guess I always assumed rivers obviously start somewhere. Uh, well, yeah, everyone the, knows yes, that. We just don't know where. <laughs> Why is it? Down. Down. <laughs> we have fucking drones and shit now. Why the fuck is this still a mystery? <laughs> well, I don't, it's not a mystery anymore. This, That's this what sounds, Jeremiah just said. He said, this I is, think it still is. This is like a boomer trying to figure out transgenderism. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, we are back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. And this week, uh, or two days ago, uh, just plug it at the top of the episode. Casey and I were on the Boys Bible Study podcast talking about Left Behind 2, Tribulation Force. We started a little Tribulation Force of our own to go over the happenings of that, I mean, real I mean, it was a gripping film, really, from start to finish. Uh, edge of your seat, kind of. Like, even though it, it's all prophecy and, you know, the entire plot is already written in the book of Revelation, I, I felt like I was watching something I had never seen before uh, while we were preparing for that interview. And that, Yeah, I didn't realize that that Zelensky was the Antichrist. Until yeah, that's something we uncovered. We watched uh, the movie. We, we uncovered a good few... Uh, we cover some good ground. Uh, what was the um, the K-pop band that's a, a runner-up for being the Antichrist? B, is it BTS? Yeah, that B- is a K-pop group. Yeah. Okay, then it's that one because you know you know how I know that. Okay, so here's like being somewhat adjacent to people who are into Japanese culture and Korean culture and all that stuff with all the Comic Con things that April does. Like I knew K-pop was a big deal. I thought it was kind of like that crew that was into it here, you know? And the moment when I realized that it was actually like enormous everywhere is I was, I stopped at a truck stop in McPherson, Kansas, which is not close to anything. And, you know, amongst all the like goofy truck stop souvenirs, which I love, by the way, I love like the dragon statues and the fairy yeah. merch uh, the, the skull ashtrays and shot glasses. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a, like an edgy one, they might, they might have like some panties with like glow in the dark skeleton fingers. Oh, metal, the, uh, doing the metal fingers. Yeah. Either doing the metal thing or flipping the bird. Oh yeah. Perfect. <laughs> but this one had like a poster bin with like a bunch of random stuff in it. And there was a B, there was BTS posters in the poster oh, wow. bin amongst the other thing. And I, I, I looked at it and I did like a double take and I was like, what here? Like next <laughs> to the taco Johns. <laughs> like what is going on? I didn't even know who they were. I know nothing about K-pop. Uh, I 
yeah, I I'll stop there. I know nothing about K-pop. So. Well, it's from Korea. Yeah, no, I get okay. So and it's, it's really catchy. So and they they sing in Korean sometimes and English sometimes, and I don't really know how you decide which is which. Uh, like, what was baby metal? That is a different. Group. That's a Japanese thing, I think. That's J-pop. And that then? that, that is vile. <laughs> you don't like baby metal? Not at all. I, I'm not saying that like I love baby metal, but I don't know. They've got a couple catchy songs, don't they? Mm, sure. Okay. I don't know. I, I yeah, feel like, I feel like I've, it's catchy. Okay. It's catchy. It's not something that I've ever listened to and thought like I want some more of this. But I feel like it's ca- if it's catchy, it's in the sense of it's also like gimmicky, like. You're not going to listen to it. You hate catchy things. No, that's not true. You do really hate catchy things. Sorry. I don't think (laughs) some of, I don't, I just don't think ghost main is catchy. I'm not sure why you still take that. So personally, anything that has like any sort of popular appeal, that's any, in any way in the rock or metal realm, you hate it. You, you, (laughs) sir, have to bring evidence to the table for this. No, I, that's that's all I got. Now I, I feel like a dissertation. To my dad, no. <laughs> so back to Left Behind Two. They made three of them, right? I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I think there's three total movies. There's uh, yeah, okay. There's four or five. Oh really? Yeah, because there's like three Kirk Cameron ones, I think. Oh yeah, I'm only talking about the canon ones of yeah, the Left Behind the cinematic universe. There's three uh, of the Kirk Cameron ones, and then there's a uh a Nicolas Cage one where they remade like the original book. Oh yeah. It Which looks a lot out, more cinematic. That came out longer cuz I I on the our recording with the boys Bible study I I was like that one I was I made the assumption that that had recently come out and then it was pointed out that it was like 8 years ago which blew my mind. I really I feel like that was a lot more recent than 8 years ago. Oh man, Nicholas Cage and Chad Michael Murray. Oh, Chad Michael Murray was he was in um uh what was it One Tree Hill? Was that his? I believe so, okay. yeah. I watched a lot of seasons of One Tree Hill. <laughs> he was like a dreamy yep. boy in 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. Tree Hill. He also had a role <laughs> in Fruitvale Station, uh the first film by um Ryan Coogler. Who then like he he went from like Fruitville Station to Black Panther. I'm not sure if there was anything in between there, but like he he had like a meteoric rise. I don't know what any of that is. Yeah. I've heard of I mean I've seen Black Panther. But just the other thing you don't know. Fruitville no, Station no sounds thing. like some sort of like Mr. Rogers knockoff. Oh no, no, no. He went from Fruitvale Station to then he directed Creed and then Black Panther. Like those were his first three movies. Which well, is like that's a that's a pretty fast run up. Yeah, there. I actually don't know the first one, but I know Creed did quite well, mm-hmm. and he's like our age. Isn't huh. that weird? Like, uh, I feel like for the longest time we've been used to these like the major big name directors being like much older. Like you have the ones who've been in the industry forever, like obviously Spielberg and shit like that. But and now as we keep getting older, it's like the 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 new stars are all younger than us and people are directing films that are 10 years younger than us. And it's like, God, what a, it just feels weird. It feels weird to get older. It's like, when you watch football, it's like when you were a kid, you watch football, everyone looks so old. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, y'all, 
y'all some of you guys just like didn't even finish college you're like 21 you're i don't know i feel like when i see football players are the oldest looking 25 year olds you've ever seen like when they're showing their photos and their neck goes like this yeah they from their skull. Like older, but when you do see that they're like 23 years old you're like god damn 23 how old is michael bay uh is in he his mind or, or is he young i think he's late 50s he's got like real 50. peter nygaard vibes He's fifty-seven. Oh, hmm. sure, okay. Uh, yeah, when anyway. does his two come out? Wait, so if he if he was <laughs> when the, what when when's the launch date for his Me Too campaign? Oh, somebody's got something on him that they're sitting on. That's a good question. Okay, <laughs> but so you know, Michael Bay, like, let's see, what was his first? Nineteen ninety-four was his first big movie, I think, like and that was Lethal Bad Weapon Boys. Twelve. No, no, oh, bad, no boys. bad boys. Okay, so similar. Oh, when, so when he did Bad Boys, he would have been twenty nine. Yeah, wild, Dang. little boys, and The Rock. So, it, which I think is a pretty good movie. He was thirty one, and then Armageddon. He was thirty three. He was my age when he did Armageddon, which we watched last year for reasons I can't explain. And Armageddon sucked, again. didn't it? Yes and no, in the way that all Michael Bay movies suck, but also there's something majestic about them that you just can't get in any other movie. Like I wouldn't say all. Oh, yeah. like Transformers. <laughs> no, not that they all suck. I don't know that they all have something majestic about them. Well, uh, okay. Um, something so over the top that you okay. just stare in awe. You're like, how did he explain to, to the director of photography? Like how many different layers of spinning had to be in this shot of like the camera is panning around okay. while he got the jets to fly overhead while he got an American flag fluttering at the exact right moment. Like he's really good at doing that stuff. And I don't know that that stuff is that great, but like nobody else does it. And somehow he's able to work it into movies, but you can tell like he gets one cool idea that he likes and then he just beats it to death over the course of that movie. Like he can't spin the camera once he's going to do it 25 times. <laughs> like, he's going to get all his good b-roll of like jets taking off off a carrier and he's going to shoot it from 400 angles so he can just abuse it the whole movie okay so each movie has one of those things that he likes to oh no no no! each movie reuse. has like 10 of them like he, that's that's his problem is he just can't stop like he gets an idea he's like it was amazing when the transformer flipped and twisted through the street while blowing up a bunch of cars Let's just keep filming that. Let's just do that again. Like more cars, more Transformers. Transformers is like so hard to watch. Like I hate those movies. And it's it's so hard to watch because you like sit around waiting for the, because it's a terrible movie. You're waiting to transform into a not terrible movie the entire time. (laughs) You're waiting for like the fight scene, right? You just want to see robots fight and you have to listen to Shia LaBeouf whine about his girlfriend or whatever. And then finally they they like the robots are going to fight and they like flip and twist so much that it's basically like watching a bunch of kitchen appliances rolling down the street. <laughs> like I'll again I'll give them credit that especially when the first movie came out there's some action sequences where you're like wow that looks really cool but he doesn't know when to stop. He can't just do the one shot and you're like oh my gosh I've never seen 30 cars flip through the air while a robot charges down the street. But he's like, well, you're going to see it 15 more times in the next 10 minutes. Like, yeah. it's, it's like watching uh, that bridge get bombed in Ukraine. Oh, my <laughs> God. Same thing. You could put them side by side. You wouldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Like, I, I'll always maintain he is a technically talented director in the same way that Zack Snyder is a technically talented director who just can't they can't get out of their own way. 
Like they need somebody to steer that creative energy and put some barriers around it. And I think they would make great movies. Like, have you ever seen uh, 13 Hours, the story about the Benghazi embassy attack? Michael um, Bay did that. No. It's like, there's actually some restraint in it, like a little bit of restraint, because I think he was trying to retell something historical, didn't stop him with Pearl Harbor. But do they address the emails in that? They don't. <laughs> and I was, I was, ex- I'll be honest, I was expecting that. <laughs> I thought that part would have been part of his contract with the military <laughs> to use there's their like assets. A, there's like a Star Wars style, like prologue at the beginning that's just text on the screen, and it just like slowly floats up from the bottom. It says, Hillary lied. People die. <laughs> it ends with lock her up in like big block letters. Hillary <laughs> for prison 2020. <laughs> oh my god. So uh to shift this back to watching um Left Behind. So one of the things that we talked about, I started thinking I was listening back to our episode with them uh this afternoon and the the whole like COVID passport thing came up and we didn't get into it in the episode, but it, it, it kind of, I don't know. It's funny how you can listen back to something and have like a whole bunch of new ideas on what you were talking about. Uh, even though you were part of the conversation, it's like, it's just funny that like you think about a whole, all new things, uh, listening back to it and talking about the COVID passports. I, I started thinking about all the things growing up, like uh, that were like, end of the world type scenarios for evangelicals like this is good this is it we're moving towards the new world order we're moving towards globalism this is the final straw Damn it, cards it's the opening of one of the seals whatever <laughs> and then but co- the whole covid passport thing, like vaccine passport i mean sorry not covid passport uh but vaccine passports were like hugely talked about like everyone and even who anyone evangelical in slightly even if they weren't anti-vax or like this vaccine passport they're gonna monitor who travels everywhere you won't be able to travel internationally and everyone was terrified of it i mean uh who's the guy with the long greasy hair that wasn't get him to the greek that nobody really likes anymore but russell brand Brand. Brand. he like he had a whole thing on like government overreach i mean look he hasn't had a lot of great takes lately i feel like in general but i kind of like russell brand he's I, he's have you listened to him lately me. though yeah um, he, uh, well anyway, okay. hit or miss during covid i felt like he was up his own asshole a lot uh but yeah i, I don't think being uh staying in his house was real good for him yeah seems it, it, it but you know he did the whole thing on like government overreach and and it's not like it's an illegit it's not like government overreach is an illegitimate concern as a whole but there was a lot of like slippery slope doom and gloom like Fear. It was really fear mongering from people who, who didn't typically go into that lane, and and everyone. And then it just like for a little while, you might have had to have like your vaccine card to go out to eat, and everyone's like, "That's oppression. I'm being oppressed." And it's like, well, I thought you also thought we're all about private businesses being able to do whatever it is that they want, and it's weird that you're having a hard time following through with that. But I feel a lot of the people who are the loudest are in the most rural areas that don't have to really do any of that. Like anytime yeah. people from my hometown complain about lockdowns, I want to ask them like, when precisely were you not allowed to do it? Like you can't equate Walmart for one week, having like a maximum quota of people in the store at one time, you had to wait in line for 10 minutes to get in the store. Like that's not a COVID lockdown. Like that's a temporary, very small inconvenience. The only place I ever had to show my vaccine card 
was to get into a senior living facility to visit my grandmother, which like makes sense. Yeah. They, they locked everyone down tight because they were like, if COVID gets in here, everyone's going to die. And so they implemented really strict protocols to keep people alive and it worked. So like, and I never had to show it anywhere else. I don't think I even had to show it in an airport at any point. Yeah. I, I didn't fly. I don't, you know, for like 2020, but you know, in 2021 and 2022, I never had to show it. Yeah. But I think what's so wild is like everyone who is really, really terrified about this. Um, I mean, they were convinced it was like, this is what's going to happen. They would lay out the whole, like, this is the, this is the process by which we're stripped of our rights. Yeah. And but where like, did it happen? Like, where, where did they we- implement it? I mean, other countries, like, uh, I think, like, in European countries where you can really just, like, fly between countries in a matter of minutes, like, take trains to get from one country to another. There was a lot of, like, countries not wanting people traveling back and forth or not having vaccine cards. Like, like, it was happening in places around the world, but not to, like, this, like, I, I don't I don't know that it was to, like, this extreme, whatever, a police state type uh thing but either way my only point for kind of building this up is it just nothing happened there are no vaccine passports and (laughs) everything's fine it didn't happen here because people wouldn't have it but there was like this full-blown convincing that this was the leading up to like the end of freedom and whether or not people would have had it or not is just like if the government said it like they were and, and these people were convinced that it was going to happen. And it, it just because there's always that thing. There's always that thing that's like that they puff up and they puff up. And then but then if you talk to them now, they'll they'll go back and tell you how they were they were right about everything. And right. that's the, that's that weird mentality of like everything that they predicted was true. Everything that they believed, everything that Alex Jones said, all the things that those like that for, that group of people would talk about is like their rights being stripped away they'll they're in their head they have always been right about everything and they will they'll brag about it even though there's i mean i think the only thing i ever had to show my vaccine card for was to go to that beloved reunion show and but but it I don't, didn't get implemented here though i mean no. that's the whole thing is like it didn't it didn't happen there's a cottage industry of people who like frame every possible scenario as like this is it this is their this is their big move to take things over and blah 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 like i think there's that and then there's a group of people that are just like i don't think this is a good idea i don't really want to see this happen and there are there were a few things done here that i think give legitimate pause like the the community spread tracker apps that like different state governments had created, you know, the like download this to help. It was just basic contact tracing stuff. Yeah. Um, as an IT professional, I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm signing up for a government sponsored, uh, like Bluetooth beacon tracking app because not because, not because of like the conspiracy theorist, I'm sure the government's doing this to put us all in a database and kill us all or whatever, because like, that's, that's stupid amateur conspiracy hour stuff. But just because I know the government's IT standards suck. So, and I forget which state it was, uh, I need to look it up, but like some of those databases have been hacked and that information, you know, it's in, it's hashed and stuff. So it's unlikely that anything bad actually came of it, but like people's location data was stored and then it was compromised. And that's a perfectly great reason to be like, no, I don't want to download an app. That, that data was bought, was like, 
stolen and sold to Amazon so they could sell you a bread maker. And that's well, that's 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 the thing is like <laughs> the the that same cottage industry that like turns everything into like this is the this is one step closer to the camps, you know. Like yeah. the real honest truth of it is that you know all of those breaches and like tiny things that you know happen that quote unquote erode your personal freedom. Like all of them really just lead to like broader and broader and more personalized commercialization. Yeah. Because it's all, it's all just comes down to it. All of it comes down to who's making money, not like who's trying to like turn you into a battery to power their Lazarus machine. That's going to keep them alive forever. (laughs) Let's be honest. If a phone book wasn't a thing and it came out today, evangelicals would say a phone book is the market. Like, right. Exactly. They want a registry of everybody and every business. Right. Like, and, and, and you won't be able to receive mail or to send mail without the mark, without your mark in this evil book. Like that's just the way people are. It's actually, so I looked it up. It's a lot more areas than I thought. So the North Dakota contact tracing app care 19 and not the dog on North Dakota, but out of all the States that probably are going to suck at their digital security. It does not surprise me that North Dakota is on that list. You mean um, that's like computers and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so basically they had marketing scripts running for Foursquare on it. And those scripts were able to just access the location data. Like it was just basic. They didn't lock that down when they built the app and put marketing scripts on it. But then uh, I, I'm checking like, and there's a bunch, there's other countries, there's, uh universities like it looks like if you use one of those contract tracing apps there's probably a 25 percent chance that it was garbage like white labeled garbage made by some middleman company and they did not take your personal security seriously at all dude i saw this tweet today i I wish i could find it right now um but i don't remember at what point that i scrolled through it but it was like basically the gist of the tweet was did anybody else vote for Biden because they thought he was going to implement more like more rigid and the more rigid COVID protocols and then feel very disappointed when he didn't. And I was just like, I hope literally nobody responds to this tweet with yes, because why <laughs> the fuck would anyone have voted for Biden for that? And I, it, I, I guess I don't interact with the group of people who have like that strong feelings about COVID. Uh, at this point in time like that's i mean that was today and i look i don't know i don't know what this is going to make me sound like or come off as but if you're still like if you still want the president of the united states to do something about covid on january 22nd 2023 just like like i just it's hard to imagine living in a world where you really despite what despite like all the numbers despite the like what what the symptoms are for covid at this point like why would you why would you want that it doesn't it doesn't make sense to want that and to me that just screams like you're just I think it's, you're, what do you so why be so terrified of this still and i that, think it's someone just great. lashing out or like venting their frustration that it's still around and still a thing and they want somebody to do something even though, like, as a society, it like, literally doesn't what? matter what the government would try to do well, at like, this point because society has moved on. For the most part. Know what what you was could... it, like, a month ago that Taylor Lorenz was, like, praising Chinese handling of COVID oh with God. lockdowns and stuff? And you're like, are you out of your mind? 
like it's clearly not going well. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it was going quite poorly over there. It just it's hard to imagine here. Like, I mean, I've I've had it. I got it once it was like the um we don't need to spend a lot more time on COVID, but it was like because everybody like you said, Jeremiah, society has essentially moved past it, even if a few people on their own haven't. And it's like I mean, it, it's just been going around a lot. I know like uh, my wife works with a few people who have it. One of them's had it for the third time. I think it's because very few people are dying at this point. It's become endemic. It's become like much more yeah. virulent, but a lot less lethal. And we've gotten better at treating it. So the actual real impact on most people's day-to-day lives is almost nothing. Like friends of ours who work in hospitals for about a year and a half, like that's all we talked about when we talked to them because it was right. They're talking about how like people are breaking down and crying in the hallways and like they're stacking bodies and like a, a, ship, a, fr- a freezer shipping container or something outside because they were out of room in the morgue and like stuff that you like to think, oh, that can't happen here until it does. But like that's why it was on everybody's minds all the time, because everybody right. knows somebody who was touched by it in some way in a short period of time. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, I got the Rona and I'm, you know, I'm sick for a week or two. Like it still sucks, but when's the last time you heard of anybody you know of, or someone, you know, someone who they know dying? Like for me, it's been a year. I don't know anybody who died. Oh, really? I know people oh, who know people. Oh, I know that. I, I mean, I know okay. people who know like several people, but like for me, I didn't know anybody that died personally. Yeah. But it's, I, it's I, like you said, Sam though, it's like the, they can look back and see how they were right about everything because I think like at some point it was reasonable for you to ask questions about like government handling of COVID, like the numbers that were being reported, like the efficacy of the vaccine. Like at some point it was reasonable to have some thoughts about that, I think, but it wasn't reasonable in like April of 2020. And Right. Because you were immediately on the defensive and like, right. You were just being anti-establishment just because that's your thing. And, yeah, you know, if the government said don't spit in someone's mouth and you were like, but I have to I remember like <laughs> April 2020, we were walking out of Target and we had masks on because they were required. And some old man like coughed on me on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was he like was, the only guy with no mask. Mm. And I was like walking past him and he's like, <clears throat> like, gosh, what a douchebag. Oh, my God. Like, I, that's like. That would infuriate me. That's the kind of shit where it's like, you should be arrested for that. I Is that an overreach? Absolutely. Would it make me feel great in the moment? A hundred percent. I should have stood my ground. You should have. <laughs> punched him well, right I in mean, the stomach. You know, it's in Kansas. That probably would work. I don't know what your stand your ground laws are there, but I'm assuming like he needed killing as a valid argument in court. He had a threatening demeanor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The whole thing got, it got, I mean, I, really only brought this up to touch on the evangelical approach to in fear around how this was this was it and and it's not and they're either they're either pretending like it never happened and they're on to the next thing like they completely forgot about it and i think that's what i've seen my whole life is like a ramp up and ramp down for just about everything it's like this is it this is it and then it just is like everything and then it's Are, not and they and they pretend they either pretend like it never happened or they're like yeah well it looked it and then but now this thing and they'll, they'll never not be convinced that the new thing they're thinking is it is it Even i remember wrong dozens like when, of times 
when left behind the movie first came out, like I didn't, I hadn't read the books at that point. Cause I was, I forget when they first started coming out, but like it was in the mid nineties. Right. I mean, I was probably too young to be reading them, but I remember when the first movie came out, I don't know, I was eight or nine or something. And our church hosted like a watch party. Like they streamed it on the projector and everything, or they popped the VHS into the side of the projector, whatever. Um, and I remember like the way everyone was talking then I was bummed. And I don't know that this was like the main thing I was thinking about. This is just a memory that stuck with me. I was so bummed that the rapture was going to happen before I got my driver's license. Like, cause I, <laughs> cause the way people were talking, it sounded like so positive. It was going to be any day now. And I'm like, but obviously it's great that we get to go to heaven, obviously. But I really wanted to be able to drive. Like so I your car already had like, his eye on like a rusty Miata. <laughs> yeah, I was like, obviously it'll be better in heaven. But all I'm saying is, can I just have a little time, Lord? Just a little it's time funny. to drive first. Ninety-eight percent of other evangelical boys just wanted to have sex for the first time. Jeremiah just wants to get his license. Look, I'm just saying the memory that stuck with me was about driving. I don't know that I wasn't having the other thoughts. I just don't remember them. <laughs> you're you're really you're just like God. I, please, please, just wait till I can get my first car because I really want to be raptured when I'm behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> just want, you want to go to the bang pretty bad. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys ever have that fear like did i don't know how your church has handled it but did you did they make it feel like it was some impending doom or not I, doom but like i was pretty break. sure that it was gonna happen like at the turn of the millennium oh uh, yeah that makes sense like, y2k baby we, we we prepped some for y2k and stuff and it was like well maybe <laughs> we'll need this canned ham or maybe we'll be raptured god slept through his alarm in the year 1000 but like he's not missing it again yeah and then i probably laid in bed and i'm like i hope i'm really saved yeah (laughs) that was the big one for me because it was all like if you're not you live through the tribulation i remember learning uh about you know i we've probably gotten to a little bit before but the pre-millennial post-millennial and amillennial stances on this whole rapture millennial i've never Um, heard that one I would honestly, I would need to like. Well, let me think. I. I it's dumb. More the concept. Pre <laughs> pre millennial is. I think I'm you guessing. don't live through the rapture. The millennial is like the the. What is it? Seven thousand years of some sort of fucking peace with Jesus Christ here on Earth or whatever. When he comes oh, back. Okay, so yeah, a, a millennialism is a kilogoristic eschatological. Oh man, Wikipedia is wild tonight. Um, and Christianity, which holds that there'll be no millennial reign of the righteous on earth. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, and I remember learning about that and deciding that I believed that when I was at Liberty and, but the pre-millennial was like, it was like the, the, um, what is happening back there? Is that a cat fight going on out there? (laughs) It's a cat fight going on. (laughs) BRB. Um, Yeah, premillennial is like uh, left behind. What are you doing? Postmillennial is like none of y'all bitches are getting raptured. You're just gonna have to deal with this shit. Oh, like that's where like all the Christians stay on Earth for the whole yeah. rapture. Yeah, and they just get their well. Then what's the point? Feet tickled for seven years. But, but then you get raptured again, right? Like when Jesus yes. comes back. Then okay, so they're really it, so it weeds it, out the. It, it, it weeds out the fakies, right? You're like, oh, you weren't a real Christian. Honestly, uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, it does. I thought it was like, yeah, it makes more sense. But I didn't like it. So I chose in my youth to not believe it. 
so that that's post millennialism. Yeah, that was post millennialism. Okay, so the Kenneth Funny Copeland. How a lot of these things that you can believe are subjective to your feelings. Okay, so the Kenneth the <laughs> Kenneth Copeland <laughs> Super Kids movies are post millennialist then, because in those a fascist atheistic society has risen up and the Christians are like underground as part of the resistance. So yeah, that must be post millennial, which is interesting because I'm pretty sure Kenneth Copeland Ministries officially is right pre millennial or whatever. He got saved the right after the rapture. It just depends on what Kenneth Copeland had for breakfast and if he's got indigestion, like what he believes in that day. Yeah. Did you ever watch any of the Kenneth Copeland Western movies? No. No. You don't know about Gospel Bill? No. Wichita uh, Slim? You don't know about Wichita Slim? Dude, I need to get on this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's... so like their children, I'm sorry to derail us here. Uh, their, their children's ministry, they had this guy like um, Bill Gunter. Oh, it's all flooding back. Gospel Bill. And they had like a TV show where it was, you know, some Western town where he played the sheriff, but then Wichita Slim was played by Kenneth Copeland, and he was like, like a rogue, <laughs> like a rogue gunslinger. We um, have of course he's a gunslinger in it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then they made some movies that I remember being like a little bit edgy and violent, you know. But my parents still let me watch them. I bet they'd be horrible now. But oh my so he, god, he's like a less musical Carmen. <laughs> he it really what? Well, he made more than Carmen. Carmen just made the one movie and then a bunch of amazing artistic short films. <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Copeland was making feature films out here. Okay. Straight to DVD, straight to VHS feature films. We had a bunch of them in the church's video lending library. Oh my God. I have to, I, I, need bet, to see I, those. I bet they're on YouTube. Casey. We got to find, we got to, we have to watch some of these. Yeah. They gotta well, be it, if you haven't seen tribulation Force and you want to see it, it's on YouTube for free. Don't spend money on it, renting it on Amazon like I did. Twice. Okay. Twice. Because um, I fell the, asleep the first time because it's so boring. The Wichita Slim trilogy uh, is a trilogy of Christian Westerns <laughs> centered around U.S. Marshal ex-gunslinger Wichita Which Slim. Which one did Ryan Johnson write? <laughs> <laughs> it was... It's the it's the second one where Wichita Slim starts to question his faith and it gets really into Calvinism. Oh <laughs> and my he, God. And he starts killing people and tell them they're not part of the chosen. And Wichita then he was Slim tried to murder him. his like his uh, his student in seminary. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, the series was officially called the Faith Adventures of Wichita Slim. He they came out. One came out in ninety two, ninety four, and ninety five. The names are the Gunslinger. Covenant Rider. That makes me angry. And the treasure of Eagle Mountain. <laughs> Can't like co-op the gunslinger. Yeah, That's I bet ridiculous. he uh, hasn't been hasn't been sued for that one. <laughs> well, I watched a uh, an interesting April. I watched one last night, a documentary on Amazon Prime called Cannibal Island. Which is was... that a new dating show? <laughs> No, I wish it was. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, have you heard of that new one that's like Milf Island or something like that? No, I haven't. No, heard of no, that. dude, wasn't Milf Island uh, a joke in Thirty Rock? I think it was. I, it, maybe it's like Milf Island really... or Milf Manor or something. But oh it's my like, God. all right, I'm googling. It's because Tim Dillon's been talking about it. That means Thirty Rock predicted this ten years ago as it... with a joke. It it's is like, a okay. It is a an episode of Thirty Rock, but it is also a new TLC dating show, Milf Manor. The Dang, fuck you're right. 
All right, I'm looking up what the what the main point of MILF Manor. Oh, I really I hate think what I... it is is it's like a bunch of like like single women between 40 and 60 seek love with single men in their 20s okay. while staying in a beautiful resort in Mexico. First episode came out this past week. Sounds more like Cougar Manor, if you ask me. But then it's like all their sons, right? That Gross. The, um, the dating prospects women, are all yes, their sons. women and their sons live in a house together, and then all the ladies and <gasps> all, it says all the ladies and all the guys flirt with each other. I hope that means almost all the ladies. Yeah. With almost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's uncomfortable. What? Oh my god, this sounds awful. Yeah, it's a vile, just it's trash fire. Uh, no, on TLC. TLC, of course Look, it's TLC. I mean, <laughs> some points, I feel like the conservatives have a couple valid arguments. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's pretty bad. Whatever culture produces this, I don't want any part of it. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, this is one of those things where like the... Um, where it just it all comes full circle again to you whoever you are you're just all hating the same things again it's a nice moment of unity <laughs> yeah. so okay so cannibal island is about cannibal um, corpse island you know, it could have been a cannibal corpse cover for sure but it was like in the 30s i think it was in the soviet union like all horrible stories start in the soviet union basically like stalin communism yeah, well, he was upset that like all these, you know, immigrants from Soviet bloc countries were like immigrating to Moscow and like their bigger cities and stuff. So they they just basically like set uh, extradition quotas and just pick people off the street. It was like, oh, you don't you don't speak Russian very well. Boom, you're out. Oh, you don't have a passport. You don't have papers. You're out. And they put them on a train and like send them north to Siberia. And there was like this town where they were going to send them all. I want to say it was, it was like 2,500 miles from Moscow. So they load you on a train and just ship you 2,500 miles. It's like the distance from like Las Vegas to New York. I Holy mean, shit. they didn't get to tell their families they were going. Like they didn't get to like pick up anything from home. It was like plucked off the street, put on a train, away you go. And this town that they were sending them to, like they told them in advance that they were going to send them like 2000 migrants or something like that. But then it was more like 5000 and it was not equipped to handle them. And a bunch of them were like uh, people who had been in trouble before, rightfully or wrongfully. They criminals. were like, yeah, more or Murderers. less whatever Rape Stalin's it. idea of criminals were undesirable for one reason or another. Exactly. Wrong so, ethnicities. So they basically like because they had no place to put them and they they didn't want to put them near a village or anything like that. Like the segment of the population that was coming that had been in trouble for some reason or another. They put them on this island in the middle of this giant river in Siberia with like no provisions or anything and just left them. What? The name of the island was Nazino Island. It's it's Nazi Island. That's how it's spelled. N-A-Z-I-N-O. Really? Maybe they yeah. were Nazis. And Stalin knew. He was well, like, the, absolutely not. <laughs> the Oh, I was trying to look. What do you know do we know what time of year this was? Um uh, well, so the the situation was ended in June. I'm trying to look when did they February January, 1933. January averages negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit. 
oh and gosh. July is 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's I, a I cold feel like place. I, I actually would have thought it was colder even in July in Siberia. I feel like you think of Siberia as quite cold. It's like Alaska. Time. But I, uh, either way, if it's not July, you're probably putting yourself inside of a human body like Han Solo did to that Tauntaun. <laughs> Props for remembering Tauntaun. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story and it's uh it's available for free. You can go watch that. Uh, you came, you came equipped with another interesting story tonight, didn't you Casey? Yeah. Okay. So I was trying to think of like some famous mission. So my school books, I've talked about this before, but my school books at my ACE school, like you didn't just like write random sentences for English, for your English exercises or like, you know, anything that they did, whether it was spelling or English or whatever, like they incorporated stories into it. They were either Bible stories or they were like Christian adjacent stories. So there was a lot of stuff in there about missionaries and like ACE's rosy colored glasses look at certain missionaries lives. So I've been trying to look up a couple of them that I remembered to uh, just see what people had to say about them and, and stuff now. One of them, one of the few that I remember their names was David Livingston. Yeah, which that rings a that rings a bell for me, but I don't really recall much of who he is or what he did. Well, so he was a Scottish guy, uh, born in the mid eighteen hundreds. Um, he was like the second out of seven children. They put him to. What's crazy is like they're talking about his life and stuff, and like the first anything that they talk about anywhere that I read about him was that at age 10, he went to work in the cotton mill. Okay. And so he was a, uh, basically like him and the other little kids would like crawl under the machinery and like tie the broken threads back onto the, uh, like the loom thing that they were using to, uh, to make stuff out of cotton. Back when we let kids have some dignity and have real jobs. 12 to 14 hour days. Holy shit. I mean, what else are they going to do with those tiny ass fingers? They would have diddled themselves. <laughs> That's like the Industrial Revolution was like the first time ever that like a 10 year old child was like, man, had wish it was the good old days when I could just like work 14 hours on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, things that rip your arms off on farms. <laughs> At least I wasn't like in a, in a, asphyxiating hole like like taking out lumps of coal by hand there's a, man there's a uh there's martyr made podcasts done a series there's only like two episodes out so far but it's on the american labor movement and it's it is insane listening to them like the stories about cotton like coal miners and stuff in west virginia and colorado and like i mean it's it was more or less like slave labor i mean they didn't they paid them in like funny money they couldn't leave basically if you raised any sort of stink they would just like kick you out of your house and like banish you into the wilderness is insane it yeah it's dude god that time was absolutely wild because they're like 
They're like, well, it's always painted as a, we're doing this for you. We're giving you this housing. This is like, what would you do without us? It's basically yeah, an abusive take relationship. We care of you. You just, you know, be quiet. You're just not <laughs> thankful. I mean, what else are you going to do for, yeah, we could make you only work 12 hours a day, but what are you going to do around for the other two? Just sit and do nothing? Make you don't, trouble. You don't have stuff. You don't have books. You don't have friends. You don't even have alcohol. But we will sell it to you for. Uh, what's that old? Uh, what's that old saying? It's like the idle hands are the jerk off the playground. devil, or yeah, yeah, they're the devil's playground. Close, is the... which is a euphemism for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so Livingstone's working in this this mill like ten to twelve hours a day, and then he does another four hours a day of schooling, which is kind of portrayed in like a. He didn't he could have gotten away with not doing that, but he was like really eager and passionate to like learn. So he learned to read and write and all that stuff. Was there like a requirement that they had to give you some schooling? I think the company that he worked for provided like some sort of school for the the locals that worked there or something. Okay. I'm that's that's I'm fuzzy on the details. Well, they didn't that. have to do anything, so really, that's super generous of them, and I don't think we need to be too disparaging on this podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So he he learns all of that. What what was funny is like, so his family was like a strict Calvinist family, and his dad, and then, yeah, by that point, by that standard, whatever that was, you know, tulip. His dad like read a lot of books about theology and missionary work and stuff like that. So he started doing that, but then he also kind of developed like a passion for, you know, nature and uh, science and all that kind of stuff, which his dad did not like. He was like very concerned that his like interest in science would erode his faith. Because of evolution. Was this pre, wait, what year was this? This is the early 1800s. The David was born in 1813. Yeah. So it would have been like 1820s, 1830s when he was struggling Darwin, with that. I mean, Darwin died 1882. So it's probably, it's pre Darwin. Yeah. Big like for sure. eight, they, I guess I already, I just looked it up. It was like 1854 when he was preparing on the origin of species. So, yeah. You know what? Great foresight from his father because he knew he knew what science was the direction that science was going in so bugs are bugs don't look too close yeah and calvinism is like <laughs> you have all you, you you have all you'll ever need with uh with tulip uh, do you guys remember what uh all the um what those five letters stand for no i i, I didn't get the reference when you were saying that oh, earlier it, that's that is calvin's the that's like john calvin theology or i guess maybe augustine maybe had something to do with that is too, tulip do you have it in front of you L-I-P. no um no I'm tulip is uh t is for total depravity oh, right, man's bad uh, quiz all right we're quizzing I don't, here. no i don't remember what you is um, uh unconditional election Okay. Yeah. Election. I, I, okay. I didn't know it was unconditional election. He's just throwing new words in there to make this fucking acronym work. I didn't All right. What do you think Ellis? What do you think Ellis? Uh, limited atonement is what yep. L is. Yep. Okay. What's I? Mm, I actually don't remember what I is. Irresistible grace. 
Uh, right. Okay. I and then, there was something about grace and how, uh, you know, it doesn't work with limited atonement. I, I love that. Limited atonement and irresistible grace sounds like, hey, I'm full of shit. It just screams I'm full of shit. And then uh, what's P? That's perseverance of the saints. I'll yep. never forget right. that All right, you get three for five. That's pretty good. That's better than I would have done. Yeah. So, wait, so... Liberty would be disappointed. Limited, at- limited atonement I, I like means... I paid 40 grand to learn this, so it kind of... I don't feel great about it. Limited atonement was the idea that, like, Christ the didn't elect. die for everybody's yeah. sins. He had died for the elect, and what the other irresistible grace is like, you can't refuse God if you're one of the elect. Correct. So it's the same thing, basically. Perseverance of the saints is like once saved, always saved because you're in the club. Yep. I love Calvinism because it makes me feel so hopeful. It's so perfectly wrapped (laughs) up. There's no real need to seek outside knowledge. It's just like, they even call it reformed theology. You're like, hey, there was theology, but we reformed the fucking shit out of this. And it's perfect now. So all you ever need is tulip and you're all set. Dude, the elect one was always like limited atonement was one of the ones that was like the hardest for anyone to like come to terms with. Because it's like, why are we doing any of this? Like, wasn't the whole idea that Jesus died for everyone if they just are like, thanks for doing that, Jesus? He's like, I got you, B. And then if you don't, he's like, well, fuck you, I guess. Um, <laughs> but limited atonement is like, I just looked it up on Wikipedia because I wanted to see if there's like a, what the specific definition. Okay, this is in contrast to the belief that God's prevenient grace uh, enables all to respond to salvation offered by God in Jesus Christ so that it is each person's decision in response to God's grace that determines whether Christ's atonement will be effective for that individual. Basically, horse shit. Yeah. What a miserable belief system. Right. It's awful. And people at Liberty love, there were people who were just, uh, it was, oh. you, this, you would be like, are you a, f- I'm a Calvinist, but are you a five point Calvinist? It's like, bitch, get a job. Show me your papers. <laughs> <laughs> five point. I'm a, some people, some people have the audacity to be like, I'm a four point Calvinist. It's like, then you're not, you're not a Calvinist because a Calvinist, you have to be a complete cunt and you're missing one of the letters. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can't sit with us. <laughs> so I think we may have lost the thread from David Livingstone just yeah, a little sorry. bit. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, he read some, some book when he was a young man, like 18 or 19 or something like that. I don't remember what the book was, but kind of convinced him that like, Hey, I can be into science and science can work fine with my faith. And that's that. Like, he was pretty pumped about it. Uh, came- Ken Ham of his time. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he decided he wanted to be in a missionary. Came pretty, like, determined to get into missionary work and stuff. And that's kind of how he ended science? up in Africa. What's that? Did he want to tell the world about science or a Christian missionary? A Christian missionary. So, gravitates towards science wants to be a christian missionary okay well that's what's hilarious is like so i learned about him because he was a missionary he was a missionary first and an explorer second yeah but he's really only credited with one conversion no way yeah 
one guy and the guy he had to like refute the guy afterwards he was the head of a tribe like an african tribe that he was pretty close friends with it sounds like and the guy converted but uh i guess polygamy was like pretty common amongst african tribes and he was very upset about that like livingstone did not like that also known as jealous yeah exactly (laughs) but uh so this guy that this chief that converted like that was part of the the stipulations was that he had to like swear off polygamy and he was kind of like i will definitely do that and then (laughs) he he just bought a separate house for his other wife or something like that It, it, it it somehow he like it became public knowledge that he was still like I don't know, like hey, hanging out with his ex. Still getting, he still had a side piece. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, Livingstone had to refute him. Had to or did what? It, you know, you you know, you pick him and me and Livingstone have a lot in common actually when it comes to our our Christian body your, count. Your body count, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> converting <laughs> one person and losing them. <laughs> I say, yeah, Sam. I don't know. That's how people normally refer to that. No, that's, that's definitely how people You're refer soul- to it. So- he had to sew the notch back into his belt. Yeah. <laughs> very, very. I had to learn to sew. It was awful. Like a like a woman. What an insult to my manhood. I couldn't believe it. You had to it. white out the first page of your Bible where he'd made a notch. They made me actually. They're like, you're, my punishment was having to tear out one page of the Bible. Yeah. Just Peel the banana sticker it. off the inside oh. cover. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he ended up like gathering support and stuff and going to the mission field in Africa. Um, it really sounds to me like, I think he was devout by the sounds of it. Like he took his Christianity seriously and he talked about it a lot with the natives and stuff, but like converting people must not have been his focus after a very short time period. Like he did a couple of years of like missionary work and then was just like, I really just want to go hiking. <laughs> so his, he wanted to be a missionary. Do we have any other specifics about his, he just was like, I want to be a missionary. I'm going to go here and I'm going to just tell people about Jesus. Do we have well, like, there was a guy there that was a missionary that he was like going to meet up with. And when he got there, it sounds, it sounds like he was very discouraged by what he found. He was, I guess there was like missionary publications and stuff that he was reading back home that really made them out to be like super successful and people are converting in droves and everything's going great. We're conquering Africa for Christ, something like that. Oh, wow. And then when he got there, he found that that was not the case. That's amazing. <laughs> I thought he was joining the Crusades, but uh, not quite. Yeah. I just love the bold face lying about it. It feels just so normal and I love it. Just, <laughs> like, I love that nothing's changed. Yeah. Well, the, the person I was listening to talk about that particular part of it described it as like, you know, there was these publications that their primary goal was to raise more support from the public. So they like, you know, overemphasize and exaggerated their success rate. Dude, it's the Christian equivalent of losers say what? And everyone's like, huh? What? And you're just, gotcha. It's like they draw a line at their door. 
And like inside the door, it's just like anyone who crosses this line converts to Christianity. And they all step, th- they invite people over their house all the time. And they're like, you're a Christian now. And they're, they're like, oh, wow. And then they write home. They're like, we're saving so many souls. And then David gets there and he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's weird, like looking at, so this is. I know it, it really like got under my skin reading some of the stuff because I was trying to kind of get an idea of, all right, where's everybody at? Like the first thing that I watched about him was it was on like the biopic bio, biography picks or it was a, it's a YouTube channel that does biography stuff. And it's a bald English guy that is the main dude that talks through him. And it was like very clear that this guy did not like David Livingston. OK, like. He's kind of like crapping on him throughout the whole thing, like every, like the 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 worst interpretation of everything that that happened, and like I don't know, it's it's weird because he's definitely like a guy, an English guy from Victorian or a, a Scottish guy from like Victorian era UK, basically, and and mm-hmm. so he's a product of his time for sure, like. He definitely like went there to proselytize and do those things, you know. I mean, I'm sure he had like bad ideas, you know, that are congruent. Was he a Calvinist still? He gravitated towards Calvinism, you said? Or no, no he grew he up left, with Calvinism. He left Calvinism. And joined Team Arminia. Arminian. Arminian. Yeah. He was lost. Yeah. <laughs> does he, it say he what he gravitated like, towards? What does it did you read about what like what he found uh, appealing after Calvinism? No, I didn't. Nothing that I read or listened to about him, like really spelled out much of like what his theology was like after the fact, other than that, like he didn't like polygamy. Oh, and his dad was straight edge. Hey, did he have three X tattoos on the back of his? Nobody handed out uh, Christian tracks during his job as a door-to-door tea salesman. Yes. So this guy sounds fun. About that. He sounds real fun. <laughs> his dad There's... was a door-to-door tea salesman? Yeah, his dad was a door-to-door track handing out tea salesman. Man, you could just, anything was a job back then. <laughs> There's like, a I'm just going to say that. his son, his child was earning a more honest living using his fingers to tie Sucking cotton machines coal. back together. Oh, no, that's right. Cotton, not coal. What What is the word that it shows for that? what his dad was a teetotaler a teetotaler yeah wait not that that doesn't have anything to do with tea it's a teetotaler was a person who like preached abstinence from alcohol yeah so is that why it's what okay does that have anything anything to do with tea sales teetotaler no no not at all it's t it's spelled t-e-e oh okay all right so teetotalism is the practice or promotion of total personal abstinence from alcohol specifically in alcoholic drinks yeah (laughs) specific alcohol specifically tea as opposed to alcoholic hard candy what else what other options are there other than it yeah i don't know it's interesting because uh it's defined as the personal abstinence from alcohol but man they don't shut up about it just like straight edge people that's fair. <laughs> Name but, a straight edge person who I straight edge people are a lot like Christians and they would hate to hear that. But look, like we were whole, all straight edge when we were 17. Right. But the whole straight edge code was like part of straight edge was like had to do with sex, too. Right. Remember that? Uh, I think that's just being an incel. No. <laughs> well, there might be some 
overlap there, but, uh, <laughs> so, okay. Originally refrained from the use of alcohol, tobacco, and recreational drugs. I also don't know that. I feel like it turned into just alcohol and drugs. I feel like a lot of straight edge kids might've smoked some cigarettes. Um, and for some, this extends to refraining from engaging in promiscuous sex. Uh, and that was a big part of straight edge too. Uh, and then also a bunch of them were like vegetarian, vegan, some would go so far as to not drink caffeine or even use prescription drugs, which the prescription drug one is probably one of the most reasonable, uh, given what ended up happening. Well, any prescription drugs are just like prescription opioids. Um, cause like there's I, a lot of prescription drugs. It's like, here's my allergy medicine. Like, yeah. Is that allowed or, uh, good I question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd have to click into it to really find out more, but I, the whole promiscuous sex thing was like, basically like the ones who took it that far it's like no drinking no drugs nope they would say promiscuous sex uh which really meant sex outside of like your relationship with somebody like with not, your scene girl don't be um, yeah exactly with your like raw girl were they uh, pretending that that was a choice they were making though versus versus the fact that their dick smelled so bad nobody wanted to have sex with them because <laughs> most of them didn't shower i was thinking more <laughs> their personalities but yeah that works <laughs> uh i don't know either way they like there's a lot of overlap with the evangelical culture but they hated christians even though they lived the same boring ass life <laughs> well okay so what so i was he's saying in africa. is he, <laughs> so he there are clearly like by modern standards there are things about the guy that you're like oh yeah that's that's not great you know but name the, one he he's definitely loved Africa and like he kind of embedded himself within like those some of the people groups and stuff there like he was a linguist and he like lived in these people groups long enough to like learn the language and you know the primary language of the people that he was around and stuff which is pretty impressive yeah um I don't know he's an interesting guy and like at that point when he when he sort of like swore off he decided he wasn't going to be a missionary anymore. I think, I think the missionary agencies sort of made that decision for him. They're like, I don't know if you're really pretending to make converts anymore. And we need you to put up a good show at least. Yeah. You and, at least have to write a solid monthly newsletter. Yeah. If you, if you can't convert anybody, at least give us some like useful lies to work. with. <laughs> can't fundraise <laughs> off of nothing. <laughs> So he ends up like losing his funding and that's the point at which like he really starts talking about killing uh, himself, <laughs> finding a, he wanted to find like a, a passage across Africa to open up like trade and stuff like that. And I don't really fully understand like his, his like theory on, on the subject, but another big thing with Livingstone is he was like a, a, he was like vehemently anti-slavery like absolutely hate I mean, that age as well yeah yeah there there's things about him that are like kind of surprising and and cool right you know at this point like the british government like britain had shut down their slave trade and so that was that was one part of it but like there was still a pretty big by the sounds of it like there was still a pretty big like arab slave trade and uh portuguese Arab and Portuguese slave traders were still operating Wait, in, in when did the U.S. slave trade start. 
When did start? it start? In the 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you said East Africa? So maybe just not in East Africa? Because I feel like the... Wait, what are we talking about again? What year are we in with David? We're in the 1800s. Okay, yeah, okay. 1840s probably by this point. Okay. But uh, so at that point, I mean, the the U.S. slave trade was still going on. Yeah. God, I don't know the the dates and stuff for this stuff. So kind of talking out my... Uh, out my butt oh, you're pretty close thing. so far. You're pretty good at rattling this stuff off. I've got the Wikipedia up on David Livingstone. I'm kind of like following along just in case you need a reference. But <laughs> following the clip notes. Yeah, so far you're you're dead on. But he was he really wanted to like explore the the like the interior of Africa and like he had this idea that if he could find a passage through the interior of Africa for like shipping vessels and stuff like that to open up trade he could effectively like shut down the the remainder of the slave trade there. I don't know if I totally follow his reasoning on that, but um, he was, he was pretty serious about like ending slavery, like his entire life. So he starts making these expeditions inward and uh, he does. It sounded like he did like three primary expeditions. Um, The first one, is it, was ending slavery ever one of the highlights of his life in your ACE education? I'm sure they paid a little bit of homage to it, but it's not <laughs> what I remember. I don't recall that from, I recall him being a missionary. I don't recall that being touched upon too heavily. Yeah. He's, he's like kind of credited with helping to end slavery as a whole, like the East African slave trade and stuff as a whole. But I don't know. It's kind of like an ancillary role. It seems like to me, like good hmm. stuff, good work. I don't think you could call him like Abraham Lincoln or okay, yeah, you know. But uh, so these expeditions are they're long and they're rough. The first one, he like starts making his way inward. They find like some lakes and rivers and things like that. Um, he gets malaria like 300 times. <laughs> oh God. It sounds like that was just like a feature of like being on a boat in Africa at the time. If you're European is like, you're just going to get malaria. And if it, it may not kill you. It may just like sap the life out of you and make you miserable forever. Yeah, I know it's been, So uh, my buddy, Phil, who we've had on the podcast, who lives in Africa, um, he uh where is he now i know he's at like the he's working at a university i want to say at the foothills of mount kilimanjaro at this point but uh he was in uganda and he's had malaria a number of times and it's like every time he would have it and i would talk to him it's just like because he's the only person i know who's had it i know it's a lot more commonplace there but he's the only way that i've ever spoken with someone who's had it in order to get a description of it and it sounds like it it's just an absolute nightmare and it lasts forever. So even when you like quote unquote recover from malaria, it just, you, it does, it sucks the life force out of you for a significant period of time before you have your energy back and are at at any level of like normal again. Yeah. Like disease was a real problem for Europeans whenever they were in any of these environments even like uh, during World War Two, you know, like when the Americans were fight, American forces were fighting in the Pacific, like there were times during the war when disease was like 
it was taking as many people out of commission as like, you know, there were casualties from like Japanese conflict and stuff. Yeah. And that was pre anyone thinking you had to wash your hands after you just tried tying someone's intestines back together. (laughs) (laughs) Just just spit in some dry dirt to make a paste and like (laughs) pat that on the wound. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I need something stickier. Anybody got any dung? Yeah. Dude, it, the fact that like humanity was able to survive with what they didn't know about what could kill you is impressive. Yeah, I was uh, Jeremiah. Have you listened to that uh, hardcore history episode called "The American Peril"? Oh, it sounds familiar, but I don't remember it. It's about the like the Spanish American War in in Cuba and how we ended up in that, and then t- Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, that, that. that sounds really familiar i just it's probably been years i don't remember any details i know <laughs> i've seen the title well when spain started like cracking down there was like kind of like a big uprising in cuba against uh the spanish uh you know colonists imperialists i guess imperialists would be the best word for it but um cuban locals just started like there was there was militants and stuff that were like you know, attacking them and everything. So they sent more forces to like crack down on it. And at one point, I I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was like they were, the Spanish were having a terrible time there and they had lost like 1500 or 2000 men to, to combat related altercations with, you know, the Cuban militants, but they had lost like, like 50 or 60,000 men to like tropical disease. It was insane. They were just like cleaning their clock. <laughs> it was like, you know, the, like Russia, whenever the, somebody like decides they're going to invade the interior of Russia and they, they talk about like general winter, like, yeah, like yeah. you can come in and maybe you'll do well fighting, but eventually you're going to be like, like clip clop, clip clop, walking your frozen leg stumps back across to France or whatever, you know, getting eaten by wolves. They're like, even we had to give up on cannibal Island. Like we were like, it's, it's just too hard here. We can't do it. Come get us. Any of the equator nations just have like a general malaria. Yeah. They're like, guess what? It's not a dry heat here. It's a wet heat. It's a very wet heat and it's going to be coming out both ends. It's, it's a wet heat full of germs. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, at one point, David Livingstone becomes like the first European to ever see uh, Victoria Falls, which, okay, so this this is like, when you read the accounts of people who are like anti-Livingstone and really like cast him in a negative light, one of the things that they get really upset about is the fact that like people described it as he discovered Victoria Falls and there's a there's a native name for the the waterfall. Uh boy, I'm trying to pull it up here. I'm skimming. Uh Mosiotunya. Mosiotunya. Sure you said that, right? Yeah, so that's what the locals called it. It was it was a name that means this the smoke that thunders, which is pretty cool. That's cooler yeah, than Victoria Falls, really. But yeah. they get really but, upset but that Victoria he, like, for like Queen Victoria or some shit. Yeah. What a loser. Honestly, he fucked up with that one. Why'd they have to name everything that's, they found after the Queen? 
That's what. That's just what people did. That it's was terrible. Like, it's so boring. He's the boss. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> that's just uh, you know, that was the times. Every every one of these articles that like doesn't like Livingstone just is like this pig, this pig. Just every everything was all in the name of the queen, in the name of the king. Queen Victoria Falls. Love it, love it, love it. Everyone wants to fuck the queen. And that's what it came down to. Is there a Prince Albert Falls? Yeah, Prince Albert. Who named that? Who made that discovery? Did, is that, do a we, hole in your ding dong. Yeah, do we call it a Prince Albert because it was discovered that a Prince Albert had a pierced penis? Prince Albert in his inbred, disformed genitals had two holes and he had to plug one when he peed so that he didn't uh shoot himself if, in the pants i can't tell if you're being he's real no, right now or not we're gonna we're going to i know he just I, casey gets that little no, grin and I, just... <laughs> I know the answer to that and we're going to say casey's being serious and everybody needs to tell everybody they know that story yeah prince p finger albert <laughs> Prince plug in the damn Albert. So uh he so he leads his first expedition and it goes really well. He does not find like that east to west passage like he was looking for because it doesn't exist. I mean the problem that they keep running into is like I guess Africa when you look at it like from a uh a topographical sense, like Central Africa is like this huge plateau. And then it there's like an escarpment that goes down to like these lowland plains that that, you know, line the country. And so, like, eventually you're going to run into waterfalls and rapids that are impassable. They're huge. Hmm. And I don't know. I guess he never figured that out. <laughs> Anytime he saw water, he was like, so if we we can take this water to that water and everything will be just fine. I like to envision that like he just walked, he just took off walking in any direction. And the minute he found like a puddle or a Creek, he's just like, maybe. And he just started walking <laughs> up it until he got malaria. <laughs> I feel like that the most common like European response to anything anywhere is I bet I can get a boat from this place to that place through here. What point. else are you going to do? Like, it's not like you have a lot of other options. That, yeah. that was like, their whole is- thing. What what good is water that you can't boat on? I mean, it's useless. Blow it up. What else? The whites don't have anything else. We have to boat. We're gonna one thing. Well, two things: boats and oppression. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The white approach is like, or I found water, and I have something over here that I ha- that that the people over here want to buy, and well, I need to get it to them. And the only way I could do that is by boat. So, so this is topical. He if, has uh, on his statue at Victoria Falls, his motto is inscribed on it. Christianity, commerce, civilization. Wow. Nothing's whites ever are, gone wrong thinking that way. I think the other great thing about whites is they, uh, if they, if there isn't a river or channel connecting places in order to engage in commerce, they'll just make one. They just force a bunch of people to dig a giant hole until it fills with water and they send stuff down it. Well, eventually you need water to cover the bodies. <laughs> like bodies at the bottom of a lake are harder to harder to dig up. Hey, actually, um, near me, um, there is a I want to say it's like the it's called the Quabbin Reservoir. Um, 
but yeah, it's, there's an area near me of like, you can find like the, like this, like old structural foundations and things like that. And it was basically a town that was just, they decided they were going to flood it like hundreds of years ago or something like that, a hundred years ago. And they told everyone they had to move out of that town and that was going to become a reservoir. And they, they flooded the whole thing. And it's like, you could find like the old foundations and stuff like that. And I guess if you, were to go into the water, you would find even more like foundations of old yeah. properties and stuff like that. And it's a bunch like of floating cans of Dapper Dan. Yeah, <laughs> but I, it's kind of cool. Like it's one of those like landmarky things near where I live, where people are like, "Let's go check that out this weekend," because it's to see the remnants of an old town that they decided to flood. You, is you could cool. scuba dive into the the CVS. Yeah. <laughs> There's also, this is a little bit unrelated, but I keep meaning to go with my kids. Um, it's like, I was looking up like cool things in the area to do that are outdoorsy. And it's like these, it, they're, I get, it's a quote unquote mountains. It's not really, it's just like a hilly foresty area, but in all of the rocks are like dinosaur footprints. Uh, they're just like fossilized dino footprints, I guess. But it's a pretty major like attraction for people who like to do outdoorsy things. And I keep meaning to go because uh, my son loves dinosaurs and even that's really cool. Like it's not, this is off topic now, but <laughs> I I was just making the connection because of uh, the flooded town, but thinking of cool things to see in my area. But I don't even think it would like, like the town, like that town is like neat, right? Because it's like, Oh, this is it. It's, feels like a while ago but it it's there's still something tangible there i feel like anytime you see something related to dinosaurs it feels like i, I can almost understand why a, like that a sect of christianity would be like that's only five thousand years old because being able to like walk up a rock and see triceratops footprints in it feels very not real almost like you're like that can't be millions of years old, right? Like I can have see you why. seen any dinosaur prints in, in person yet? No, I have never. It is kind of cool. I mean, they're like the problem is anywhere you can go to see them, they're going to be so worn down from people touching them. Yeah, but it's still cool. <laughs> Humans were carving worst. straight edge X's into them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so here's some here's I think where you can uh, you can find some like very legitimate. Uh, complaints about Livingston. So, so for one, when it came to being a husband and a father, not a not a great one. <laughs> he was like, I imagine all these expeditions. He wasn't going on them with his family then. And he did some. It's his wife died on one. So well, maybe she should have stayed home with the kids. He really tried to make him. that happen. She nagged him so much. She was like, I, please let us come. And he was like, oh my God, fine. At one point, I think it was before his second expedition, if I remember correctly, he sent them back home to England to live with their in-laws, which <laughs> that sounds fun. But he told his he told his sons to to think to to act as if Jesus is their father now. Oh God. <laughs> oh, that's a cop out. That's a cop out. <laughs> Jesus is up in heaven, just like you fucking piece of shit. That's when the they, they became the they become those people that that refer to God as daddy when they pray. 
We love those people. <laughs> uh, his wife uh, definitely, I don't know, doesn't seem like there was a lot of, it seemed very uh, transactional. Like he viewed it as like his duty to be married and to have children and stuff like that. But and she had her needs met elsewhere. Uh, maybe. And possibly him too. That's another one. Yeah. I, I only read that in one place, but there was an account that said that like he engaged in like he had sex with the native Africans. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I read that in one spot. It's not unthinkable to think that 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 he could have done that, which is awful, you know, but uh, he was also probably not like the greatest leader in the world. So like the second expedition, he had some Europeans that came down to like go with him. I think they were still I think the second expedition, they were still looking for like an east to west passage across Africa, which, of course, didn't go well. Like he ran into some rapids that he had not like he he had taken some detour on his previous trip. And by doing so, he avoided like this huge set of rapids that like he otherwise would have seen. And he's like this driven, determined guy. And while that is great for perseverance and stuff and like personal matters. It did not really like pay off well when he was commanding a group. And so like they run into these rapids and other obstacles and he's just like, well, we'll go around them. You know, I think he thought it was like his divine purpose to find this passageway across it and end slavery and all this other stuff. Uh, And it was not meant to be. So his expedition group just dwindled and dwindled over time. Like the Europeans didn't stick around for a long, for long. They ended up like, like taking they, off. Okay. They left. I was like, are they just dying along the way? I mean, I'm sure some did, but I'm sure some did. Yeah. Which is kind of wild when you think of like expeditions then, right. Where it's like, we're signing up to do this thing and it's a given, it's a guaranteed fact that some of you will die on this journey. And people are like, Fuck it. It's better than what I got at home. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a lot of like sunny options otherwise. Like, yeah, you couldn't just like get a nice apartment and watch friends reruns for the rest of your life back right. then. Like something awful was probably going to kill you. You're either going to be tying together bits of machinery or selling tea door to door. Like, Do you want to die of malaria in Central Africa or do you want to die in a horrific industrial accident? Yeah, after working a 16 hour shift yeah in africa at least like you know you get to be a missionary you get to evangelize some you get to see the world and then you die of something like yeah i mean it doesn't seem like a hard choice to make honestly yeah you could (laughs) die choking on coal dust or you could die seeing the world you just have to pick you have to pick an interesting way to die in your 30s is essentially what it comes down to yeah well so that hurt his his public image and stuff the 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 accounts of the people who traveled with him on that voyage and it really kind of like ate into his credibility and he ended up being like super sick and stuff he had to return back to england at some point to get nursed back to health and it was just like anything he could do to get back to africa he was he was looking for an opportunity god he must have really hated his family it does seem that way. <laughs> what do we know about his kids? Did they just suck? Did he have the worst kids? 
I didn't really read much of anything about his kids. Um, like, hey, sorry, guys. Jesus is your dad now. He had, he had six Africa. children. He had six children. Robert died in the Union Army during the American Civil War, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, Agnes, born in either 1847 or 1857, died 1912, married to a wealthy Scottish brewery executive. Thomas died in Egypt at the age of 27 from Bilharzia, a disease he contracted as a child living in Africa. Elizabeth died at two months. William Oswell died in Trinidad, where he practiced medicine. And then Anna Mary lived all the way to 1939 and died. So four out of six made it a decent, decent good while. Yeah, they did. Thanks. And apparently later in life, he he didn't spend enough time with his children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no that's a thing you have to say. But does anybody yeah. really? <laughs> it was like I. Yeah, sure. I regret not spending a lot of time with them, but also they were so determined to make me love them that they worked so hard to prove themselves, and they made a great Sam, life. For Sam, you're projecting. You're projecting. <laughs> <laughs> I really regret not spending more time on the beach in Trinidad with my son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, he ends up like convincing some people to fund another expedition to find the source of the Nile. That became like his mission after that. The and, source of the Nile. Yeah, it was like where it starts, where the river. No, flows I, I out get of the that. It just feels insane to to become obsessed with that. It's like he ran out of ideas. I think it was like a just millennia's old mystery. Yeah, it still is. I believe, isn't it? Is it really? It's like looking for the Mothman. You know, you find droppings, you find uh, tree scrapings, but I mean, no Mothman. I guess I, I guess I always assumed rivers obviously start somewhere. Uh, well, yeah, everyone knows that. We just don't know where. (laughs) Why is it? We have fucking drones and shit now. Why the fuck is this still a mystery? (laughs) It's not a mystery anymore. This That's what sounds, Jeremiah just said. He said, I is, think it still is. This is like a boomer trying to figure out transgenderism. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Googling the source of the Nile. This is the longest history of Dr. David Livingstone. It yeah, begins so, at Lake Victoria. Well, so I think it's it's not so much like where do we have the Nile River like officially starting? It's like where's the source of the water that feeds that? I think. I think that's the thing. And you just said Lake Victoria? Yeah. Um, okay. The source of the Blue Nile is Lake Tana and the Gisha Bay region in the Ethiopian highlands. Okay. The source of the White Nile, even after centuries of exploration, remains in dispute. The most remote source that is indisputably a source for the White Nile is the Kagera River or Kajera River. However, the Kajera has tributaries that are in contention for the farthest source of the White Nile. Two are in Burundi. Um, and then they found another one, the Rukahara tributary. Da, da, da. Okay. So basically, it looks like. We know where the big chunks of water are that feed into the Nile. It's in dispute. What is the farthest away source that feeds into it, which would technically be the like the start of the this Nile. This sounds like the worst conversation amongst smart people. <laughs> like who? Like we we know everything that flows into it, but what's the farthest? It's like someone took a piss in a fucking pond. Like, couldn't we sit at home and talk about? Premillennialism and postmillennialism, <laughs> please, <laughs> and please. amillennialism, blah, blah millennialism, millennial, Y two K. Oh my god, what a smart assholes conversation! 
Well, that's that's the premise of a podcast. So here we are. No, that's not the premise of a podcast. This is undisputedly not like, a smart. This is what smart people like or like pretend intellectuals used to sit around and talk about before they had like cancel culture to complain about. You know. Now we just make off-color jokes that we beg Casey to edit out. (laughs) Don't we anything, Sam. (laughs) I'm still straight edge. All right. (laughs) So uh, the third expedition, it doesn't go well. He hit, it's long. He ends up like losing his supplies and stuff like gradually over time people kind of desert the expedition like it just doesn't go well i don't like the details are fuzzy to me but the basically he ends up like super sick with no more resources left and stuff and this is one of the things that like the the different articles that i read that were really critical of him just like are they criticize him for is like he was kind of on his deathbed at one point by the sounds of it with various tropical ailments and he accepted help from these like i think they were Portuguese, they were slavers basically enslavers okay. so um you know after rallying against slavery and and slavers and things like that his whole life like on his deathbed he accepted medical help and stuff like that from these slavers so that's like that's, one of the things is like criticism. Yeah. Yeah. There was one, one of the things was like from a museum that's like doing this revisionist take on him. And they're like, you know, he's, he's hailed as an abolitionist. Then why did he accept help from, from slave traders? It's like, you know, because he was, he should have died. He should have just let himself die. Like yeah, I won't hard, take a sandwich from you. <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine anyone at any point in time, not accepting life-saving help from their enemies. Maybe you don't know anyone with principles. I guess not. <laughs> so yeah, he gets he lets these guys kind of nurse him back to help. I think he becomes kind of like friendly with them during that time period until, and I need to look at, I want to specify the year here. Um, so he witnessed a uh, a massacre. It, I think, okay, it sounds like it's 1871. So some of the, the people from this same group of slave traders that uh, that nursed him back to health, in my under, that's a, my understanding of it is it's the same group of people massacred like 400 people. Um, Whoa. In this like just horrible, horrible incident. And it like shocked him to the core disgusted him i mean it it sounds like it really like moved him seeing this and that you know he was anti-slavery like his whole life but this was just like the crowning moment that he was just just dumbfounded by the violence and callous you know Mm -hmm. uh treatment and stuff like that he wrote pretty extensively about it and that's one of the things that's one of the reasons that they credit him with helping to end the slave trade there is because like his writings about this massacre when they get back to england created so much like public uproar that the british government like threatened they 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 threatened to blockade i think it was zanzibar to uh and just totally like shut down you know, inbound and outbound traffic, like basically just like let these people starve on this island. If the, uh, if the Sultan there 
didn't like stop the slave trade. Oh, wow. So it was kind of cool. Like his writings created this, you know, helped to to spur this campaign that's that pushed the British government into action against them. And uh, and it did. That was pretty much the end of the slave trade in that regard. I mean, I know there's still slavery in a lot of different segments and stuff, but um, yeah, so that was that was kind of it. He ends up like dying in Africa. Um, his two like you know, African cohorts after he dies, they like preserve his body, but they carry his organs into the, the African interior and bury them basically there. We say his organs, like not his remains. You mean like just his organs, just his organs. Like they took them out of him and and buried them in Africa. That's a little weird. And his sun dried body (laughs) husk, was shipped back to England or back to no Scotland way. for his children to wear on his birthday. He's wearing like a trucker hat and sunglasses in there. He just wanted his kids to remember what he looked like. Okay. He's not a monster. Oh my God. <laughs> like every year to celebrate father's birth, we wear his skin suit and pretend to be father. And we all say what we loved about him, and he tells us he loves us, and it really means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's 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 the short overview of his life. He was he was a man of his time, which you know, there's a lot of things about uh, what people thought at that point in time that are they're not kosher today. But there is still a lot of cool things about the things that he did. I think that's where, like, reading some of the uh, the criticisms of him, I I don't like the the. I feel like you can, like, by all means, like acknowledge the things that he did and the things about him that were negative. Right? He's not some like godlike, you know, saintly figure. Right. But he doesn't have to be like you don't have to make him into like a, a scumbag to acknowledge those things. Like he still did some cool stuff. And I mean, he clearly was a guy that loved Africa and loved the African people and, you know, um, contributed to, you know, Western understanding of Africa and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. He ended up on the list of the a hundred greatest Britons in a vote in 2002. Well, there you go. I don't know where on the list he was. Number one was Winston Churchill. That not a problematic guy at all. Not a problematic guy <laughs> at all. Number two was Eisenbard Brunel. Never heard of him. Number three, Princess Diana. Four, Charles Darwin. Five, William Shakespeare. Like Isaac Newton. I mean, you know, it's just okay. kind of like Princess Diana beat Princess Isaac Newton. And Charles, and Charles Darwin. Darwin and William Shakespeare. Only because she prematurely died in a car accident. I feel like there's sad. no also, well, the, remember, the vote was in 2002, so that wasn't that like that was what five years later or something. Yeah, so, a, I mean, a good point. I, I truly, what did she do? Like, no, that, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I actually don't like she, she bucked the establishment. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Was she was, I, I don't want to get into where I'm like having to defend Princess Diana here, but she went against the royal family in a way that a lot of people supported, like when they were being, uh, what was it? about AIDS, like they were being, you know, normally like discriminatory and bigotry. Okay, yeah. And she like touched 
AIDS patients, you know, like hugged them and shook their hands and stuff okay. back when people thought that like you'd get AIDS or whatever. Like she just, she seemed like a relatively nice, decent person who got sucked into the royal family, didn't get along with the queen who then later had her killed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I like how you just nonchalantly threw that in. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. I I really, it's just interesting to think of her as in it, like what is her not that we need to go down the Diana rabbit hole, but is her influence also in part that she died? Like, is it like yes, probably here, so? Would she have maintained maybe she would have continued to be an influential person maybe she would have continued to buck the establishment and been a queen that wasn't uh as problematic for the first time in royal history i don't know and i guess it gives a lot to be thought about uh, and what could have happened and the way that and then obviously her dying was makes you consider that even more but to beat charles darwin I mean, Julie Andrews is also on the list. So is Guy Hawks. I think it's just a popularity contest. Yeah, yeah Mercury is on there. All the Beatles, you know, like let's just not get all of them. I don't. I don't care about the Royals, but I do care even less about Harry and Meghan. I despise them. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like stop. I don't, I don't, don't want to be famous. Also, we'll do another interview and complain and tell you all the dirty secrets it's like god damn get out of your own way if you don't want it's like the constant complaining about not wanting to be in the limelight and have this like fame but then like it's this clearly like the more they complained about it the more they get what they pretend they don't want it just gets did you you hear him talking about killing like 24 people in afghanistan yes i did hear about that one really helps me like him he did a He did a, a smash up job of uh, talking about that. Jesus Christ! <laughs> was, I I don't know what those two are doing. I, I'm so tired of hearing about. I just don't care. I like, like how everyone like it was. Like, there was this whole like idea that like they're emancipating themselves from the money and the family. It's like, bitch, they're never gonna be poor ever. Stop like making them martyrs, well, like, financial martyrs, like actively leveraged their way into like. Netflix deals and yeah, yeah. yeah like all it's that kind of stuff. Does. It is. Boo. Boo. <laughs> David Livingstone would have pushed them off the boat right into the open <laughs> jaws they, of a crocodile. If they were his kids, he definitely would have abandoned them and gone to Africa still. He would have malaria sneezed <laughs> right in their face. If Harry and Meghan were his kids, then we would have all like clapped for him in doing so. <laughs> yeah, so that's David Livingstone, uh, interesting guy, not a saintly figure, but uh, a guy who did some cool things and, you know, had some important impacts. So, uh, boy, closing thoughts. Uh, I'm getting a David Livingston tattoo. That's my closing thought. He he has like if you look at pictures of him, he is like the picture of a Victorian era explorer with like the like big mustache, mustache and, like, and everything. Yeah. Okay. He looks like, he looks like you could just like tear his head off. Like if you just shaved his head, there's a pith helmet, like growing in under his skin. You can just, just tell get... that like, he's always dabbing himself with a kerchief and all of his stuff is in a steamer trunk next to him. Mustache on my finger. So I can hold it. Below yeah. That's, nose. that's still in now. You should do it. Is it? Oh. <laughs> it's so cool it never dies it, it always yeah. was for dudes don't you know 
I think it's always been a cool thing. I, I, I the classic never any, die is what we're trying to say. Do you have any tattoos, Sam? No, I don't. Okay, once you get a few, then you realize, oh, it's not a big deal, and then you'll be way more likely to get a stupid finger tattoo of a mustache. Like once the dam breaks, you're like, yeah, why not? I do think you I'm have tattoos. Completely inoculated. Yeah, I've got like seven. Getting... You do? Are they all crosses? <laughs> <laughs> well, here, let me see. Uh, no. <laughs> one of them, that, that white nationalist uh, Viking hammer. Where's that one at <laughs> on you? My whole back is just a, a Norman Rockwell painting, but like if everyone was demons, uh, I got it a long time ago. There's a lot of scripture in it. You in the, big, uh, the praying line. hands behind your ear. No, you, yeah, you can only get those on the side of your neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you enjoy the show, leave us a rating wherever you listen to it, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And thanks to everybody who has done that. We would really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to go listen to our episode of Boys Bible Study that dropped yes. uh, today, which is two the days from when this comes out. <laughs> yeah. So you can get that on their channel. A uh, lot of fun and go listen to some of their back catalog because those guys are hilarious. I'm sure you probably listened to them before. A lot of you have told us that you love boys Bible study. And uh, if you want to join the conversation, you can join our discord. You can find the link on our social media or message us and we'll send you a link. Um, yeah. Anything else, fellas? Nope. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>